Hey there. Before we start this episode of Jackson Film Club, the podcast, we wanted to let you know that if you like what we do and you want to support us, you can make a one-time donation using Venmo at JXN Film Club, or you have the option to make uh, recurring donations by visiting our anchor profile at anchor.fm slash JXN Film Club. Thank you for your support. Do you know what the movies Titanic and The Sixth Sense have in common? Uh, oh, I think I, I think I'm kind of know where you're going with this. In one, they see dead people, and the other one, there's a sea of dead people. Very close. Yeah. I see dead people. Yeah, there we go. I see, I see dead, dead people. Yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I, I, it was like I knew where it was going. I'm really good at laffy taffy jokes. <laughs> oh yeah, that's a good laugh. <laughs> I am the joke master. Welcome back to another episode of Jackson <laughs> Phone Code, the podcast. I'm Sam Grafe. I'm joined by... Michael Lamb. And, and we're also joined by... Ben Wilson. Welcome, Ben. Welcome this is uh, Ben. If you listen to our superhero episode, he joined us for, for that discussion. Um, but this episode's just... This is all about Ben. Uh, we're going to do his, his top 20 breakdown. Are you excited, Ben? I'm pumped. Excellent. All right. Ben, tell us a little bit about your list and how you have it set up. Well, my list, uh, unlike a lot of people's list, I'm going to not have it exactly in order, forgive me, uh, because I just have like top movies. I don't know that I necessarily have like this is number one, this is number 10, anything like this. I could definitely tell you that that some of the ones that are higher on my list that we'll get to in a little bit uh, are, are certainly higher on my list. I probably could do a definitive top 10 but my bottom ones, there's some fluctuation there. So mm-hmm. uh, I do uh, want to say that as far as my list goes, I also have a few honorable mentions. Excellent. So uh, my honorable mentions, I just, look, I'm a movie buff. I have been a movie buff for a very, very long time. And even right now, it's like I try and mix up what I'm watching. I watch movies that came out you know, even a hundred years ago, which sounds crazy, but I've, I've watched a movie recently that came out a hundred years ago. Thank you, Charlie Chaplin. Uh, but I also like comedies and musicals and dramas and chick flicks and everything in between. And, you know, it's like some of these I don't think are as much of a cinematic masterpiece, but mm. I still yeah. think they deserve a little honorable mention, so to speak. So, Especially if you enjoyed them. Yeah, absolutely. So, do do I just dive right in? Yeah, if you in? want to go and like rattle off your honorable mentions. Yeah, so some of my honorable mentions. I do think that as far as comedy movies go, these are these are hard for me to put on a top 20 list for me because comedy movies can fluctuate a little bit anyway, you know. But Step Brothers with Will Ferrell uh, and John C. Riley and The Hangover are definitely two of my like guilty pleasure, like raunchy comedy movies. They're definitely inappropriate. They're not something that I would watch with my family, except maybe, you know, a sibling, a brother, but uh, not one that you want to watch with your parents probably because they, they they get a little edgy, but they've made me laugh out loud and I was very, very surprised by them uh, in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but a comedy movie that uh, that is rated PG-13, which I think is a little bit more appropriate while still being crude, is 21 Jump Street. And that was rated R, my friend. Ah, oh, shoot! Did I get that wrong? wrong? Okay, <laughs> yeah. well, I guess that one joins the raunchy club then. I thought that one was PG thirteen, but you, uh, so you're right. So that one's uh, PG thirteen. I guess it's been a minute since I've seen it. I guess the thing with that one though is that one really, really caught me off guard yeah. because 
going into the movie, I wasn't a fan of Channing Tatum at all. I actually found him to be kind of obnoxious. Mm-hmm. And Jonah Hill was kind of the same way. You know, out of that that gang, you know, Seth Rogen and James Franco, I actually thought that they were two of the ones that I liked the least. And so I watched this movie with low expectations, I suppose, and they killed it. Their they chemistry were, is fantastic. Oh, they were so good. I mean, they just, they had me laughing like throughout the whole movie. Okay, well, now that I've got three R-rated comedy movies out of the way, let me let me give another honorable mention to one of my old classic favorites, Galaxy Quest. It's Galaxy Quest is, is, is a parody kind of movie. It's Star Trek-esque. Um, and I don't know. There's just there's nothing that's not funny about that movie. And I love the fact that we get characters who play space related people in, in other roles like Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. We get Buzz Lightyear himself as the lead. Old Tim Allen. Yeah. So it's 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 pretty fun. Uh, I love Alan Rickman. Uh, there's there's Alan nothing. Rickman. Yeah. And that's one that is a PG movie. So you can definitely watch that one with the family. It gets the Ben stamp of approval. Nice. So Galaxy Quest is is one that deserves an honorable mention. Uh, my last honorable mention is incredibly cheesy, and I, I I cringe just a little bit even saying it, but I'm going to because it gets me. Okay, it's the Notebook, you know, and it's like again, I, I'm not very picky on what type of movie I like to watch. It's like different movies, you know, I get something out of it, right? But the Notebook was one where I know it feels a little a little forced in a way, you know, with the storytelling and whatever, but I can't help it. I love Rain in general. And that scene where he, he where he's just like, I'm it still isn't over. It gets me every single time. I'm like, this is this is such a beautiful and passionate movie. And I just can't think of movies that try to be sexy or not sexy. And I guess that movie maybe is trying in some sort of way, but it just feels it feels beautiful in a way that a lot of movies that think they're being sexy or not. So <laughs> there you go. I, I appreciate that you weren't afraid to say that you like The Notebook. Yeah, I, 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 I do, I do. Uh, as we get further down my actual <laughs> top 20, you'll you'll hear that I have a few others that are not your most conventional uh, guy movies <laughs> on the list as well. Well, then let's just get right into it. All right. Well, again, these are in no particular order, but I am going to start kind of with the, with some of the ones that are maybe lower on the list and move up yeah. towards some that are, that are higher up. So... Uh, one that I watched actually for the first time last year that cracked my top 20 was 1917. And I was blown away by that movie. Um, it It is filmed, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's filmed in a way where it makes it look like it's just one continuous shot throughout the entire movie. And as somebody who just loves movies in general... I loved that. There's other movies that have done that, but not in a war movie like that. I felt like I was there in the trenches in World War One, and it just it was it was scary. It was scary yeah. in a way that other war movies I've seen tons, and this was just very very different than anything else that I had ever seen before, and loved it. Yeah, there's so. a there's a certain like desperation in that movie of not <clears throat> not being able to cut away from something. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking of like a a particular character death like yeah. around halfway through the movie. Absolutely. It's just like it's just really scary because you just have to watch it play out and you can't cut away. Right. And and it's like you see you see him following him through the trenches and down into little taverns in between or whatever. And uh, then you see an airplane in the air and it's like it feels so real because you've been following them. You see them yeah. come out of a little little mine or something like that. And then there they are and there's an airplane in the air and then you're seeing it crash right in front. It's just yeah. it felt so real. And so the adrenaline going into that movie 
that kept its pace. How did it last two hours and it just felt like that, like nonstop? I loved it. it yeah. And I'm typically war movies are not at the top of my list, but I, I loved it. Yeah, great movie. So now I'm going to go with another one of my favorite war movies, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. <laughs> Obviously, I'm joking. That's a musical. It is is uh, an older movie. That one was uh, from the 1950s. And that mustache. Yeah, that's Howard Keel. He did a lot of uh, a lot of musicals back in the day, and he has a very, very masculine voice. And uh, basically, he wants to get married, so he goes into town and he finds himself a wife. And he comes back with his wife, and his his six brothers decide we want a wife too. So they go into town to get their wives. Of course, they take theirs by force. <laughs> <laughs> which sounds terrible. And if it was made <laughs> currently, it would probably be rated R, but that's not the kind of movie it was. And it's much more of a romantic comedy kind of movie that as well as a deranged. musical. Well, it's really, really funny because the the six women who were taken by the guys, obviously they don't like this at all. And quickly they start to fall in love with, with the brothers. So it's a, a very sweet movie and holds a nostalgic place in my heart as will some other ones on the list. Yeah. <laughs> Cue. The next one on my list. <laughs> not one of the highest rated Disney movies of all time and not the last Disney movie that's going to be on my list, but I'm a big sucker for Pocahontas. Ooh, I haven't Poca- watched this one on Letterboxd yet. I, I don't know how. I haven't seen Pocahontas. Ooh, that hurts my heart a little bit. Yeah, I don't know how. And I'm not, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit that uh, when I was a little kid, um, very little, my first crushes were... I guess Disney princesses and Pocahontas was 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 definitely number two. We'll get to number one in a little while. Oh snap! But yeah, Pocahontas. Uh, I was in love with that character, so to speak, and the music in Pocahontas, the soundtrack. Oh my goodness, it still gets me to this day. I have I have the music and I'll play it in my car and I'll go way too fast to that music playing. <laughs> I love it. So if you don't if you don't already have it, go ahead and search for the song uh, or the the album. Pocahontas and find the track titled Farewell and you'll understand why. Mm. Um, up next on my list uh, is a movie that came out a few years back, uh, Silver Linings Playbook. And that one, of course, has Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. Mm-hmm. And that was a movie that, I guess it, uh, you'll find that some of my movies either hold, uh, that are high on my list, either hold a nostalgia kind of effect to me or a lot of them catch me off guard, and this is this falls into that latter category. It caught me off guard. Uh, I was not expecting what I got from that movie, and it's heartfelt. It's funny. It's sweet. It's dramatic. It's it's, just, it's it's got all sorts of qualities to the movie, and I'm a big fan of Bradley Cooper, and this movie made me a fan of Jennifer Lawrence as well. Hmm. So she won Best Actress at the Oscars for that role, and I definitely think she deserved it. Yeah, so. I, I think uh, Bradley Cooper is very underrated. He, yeah. I think he gets a lot of flack, and I don't really know why. Maybe it's just because he sometimes maybe can come off as just kind of like a basic dude, but especially this last year, he had two incredible roles. One, the lead in Nightmare Alley, and then very, very small role, like probably 10 minutes in Licorice Pizza. Yeah. And I thought he killed both of them, so I, I'm glad to see Bradley Cooper gets some love. Yeah, and even though I said that that movie with Bradley Cooper uh, fits more into that second category where it caught me off guard in a good way, it has a little bit, uh, he himself has a little bit of nostalgia for me because I was actually (laughs) a big fan of Bradley Cooper before he was very famous. Uh, I knew his name back uh, in the, 
I guess it was the early 2000s uh, when he was a small supporting character on the show Alias that J.J. Abrams did. I did not know he was an alias. Yeah, so he uh, was was one of the best friends of Jennifer Garner's character in in Alias, and uh, Will Tippin was the character he played, and I loved that character, and he was one of the names that would appear like as they did the little opening credits or whatever, and uh, so I knew who he was before he really made it big in Hollywood, so I've... I've been a big fan of his over the years, um, and that certainly helped yeah. <laughs> with ranking it on up there. Um, next, I'm going to go with uh, Atonement. And Atonement was another movie which, maybe more so than The Notebook, is a movie that blends. <laughs> it's almost like if The Notebook and 1917 had a baby, you know. <laughs> and that's that's Atonement. It's very beautiful and poetic and heartfelt. And you have the ugliness of war. You also have a really neat storyline about how much one choice can affect somebody and one person's decision, even if it's not your decision, how much it can affect somebody else's life. And so it's one of those stories where somebody gets accused of something and it totally changes the entire course of the rest of these people's lives. Mm -hmm. And James McAvoy, fantastic. Kira Knightley, Absolutely kills it, and that dress. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna probably butcher the name. Is it? Is it? Sirshi, Ronan. I'm a big fan of hers. She's young in the movie, but look, she's very, very, very talented. So, highly recommend that one. Um, the next one that I have uh, on here is Toy Story, <gasps> which going back Classic. to going back to 1995 and with Toy Story it's almost one of those where I could kind of lump it into an honorable mention kind of thing too where it's not just really Toy Story it's kind of all of the Toy Story movies um I think that Toy Story 3 I'm a huge fan of Toy Story 3 and I think it perfectly wraps things up and I felt like 4 was a little unnecessary and then after rewatching it I'm like okay I like 4 too I'm like dang it they got me it's like I like every single one of the Toy Story movies and yeah Woody and Buzz will always hold a place in my heart. So, <laughs> yeah, I think Toy Story One excels and it's how simple it is. Yeah, oh, it's great storytelling, <laughs> uh, and it's just it is it's it's just fun all 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 the way around. Um, so again, that's a, that's another Disney movie. I guess the second Disney movie on my list. And again, you know, we're making way for another. <laughs> <laughs> another there will be nice. Yeah. Um, so up next is one, another movie that uh, cracked my top 20, and it's kind of impressive because I've only watched it once. I watched this for the first time a couple of years ago, and it's a movie from the 70s. It's called The Sting, and it has Robert Redford and Paul Newman. And after watching that movie, I was a big fan of Robert Redford and Paul Newman. And I wanted to watch every single movie that, that they've been in, and I've, you know, making my way down the list, and I've enjoyed a lot of their other works as well. But The Sting is... It's kind of a movie that that has to do with con artists, and uh, it's just it's so much fun. And I was blown away. It it surprised me, even though it's a movie that is still about conning people. So you know, have have with it what you will with that. But that's one where if you haven't seen it, I would highly recommend it. Uh, we're going to go on a little superhero stretch here. Um, my next two almost can be lumped together, but that's Infinity War and Endgame of Avengers. Um, the thing with those movies is it's like, again, if uh, those are movies that make it hard for me to rank in a top 20 or a top list period because 
Will a superhero movie like that ever be considered one of the best movies of all time? Some people would say yes. Um, but to me, one of the things with those two movies is I can't I can't express enough how I felt when watching those movies, especially for the first time in the theater. You know, growing up and being a big fan of Star Wars, I never thought that I would have an Empire Strikes Back moment in my lifetime. Yeah where I leave the theater feeling like I just got punched in the gut with what they did. And Infinity War kind of did that. Yeah, definitely. And I loved it. And it was really funny because it's like, obviously that movie was so hyped up. Everybody, you know, we were we were so excited about that movie coming up. And I was talking uh, uh, with my coworkers and friends about that movie before it came out. And they were like, what do you want to happen in the movie? What do you not want to happen? And one of the things that I wanted to happen, which is a little ironic, was I I said I didn't want there to be unnecessary deaths in the movie, meaning or pointless deaths that just get undone. For this, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm talking about (laughs) Infinity War right now, but I'm going to segue into Endgame as well because both of those are on my list. Uh, so spoiler alert right now, you can skip ahead a little <laughs> bit if you don't want if you don't want to know what happens in those movies. But the irony is that I wanted it not to have pointless deaths. And what does Infinity War do? It has all of these deaths that are going to get undone. Yeah. And I walked away loving it. Why? Because if you're going to have deaths that get undone, go big. And yeah. boy, did they go big. So and, you knew walking out of the theater, there's no way. Else oh yeah, I, absolutely. I had uh, one <laughs> one of my best friends, Cody, uh, who uh, he'll need to do a top twenty sometime soon too, because he has a list with you. But uh, Cody, you know, sorry, Cody, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you look bad here. But but Cody left that theater beat up, feeling like it was done. I'm like, they did not just kill. It Spider- is funny. To they me, did not the kill Spider Man, and they like, did not oh kill Black Panther. It's like out of all the <clears throat> characters that were going to make it out of this alive, yeah. Spider Man and Black Panther are not your two that are going to die. I would, you know. So the funny thing is I would have bet a lot of money going into the movie that Spider-Man and Black Panther would not die, and lo and behold. (laughs) I remember making lists with people. Yeah, like most likely, least likely to die. Yeah, Yeah. lists of like top five people who are going to die in Infinity War. And and again, so I know a lot of people like, and and Infinity War, the pacing is amazing. I love how, I mean, it's just, I can watch that movie again and again. I'm like, how is this movie so long? It doesn't even feel like it. And so obviously Endgame had a lot to kind of follow up with that. It's almost like the return of the Jedi to the Empire Strikes Back is like, now what? Mm -hmm. But uh, they obviously have to undo the mess that they made. And again, I didn't care that they had uh, made all those deaths happen because I just wanted there to be some ramifications for it. You can't just totally undo everything. And honestly, I was really, really satisfied with the way Endgame did it. And I felt like those were big shoes to fill. Like, this is what you're, you're going up against. And... It's ironic because I'm not a big fan of like time travel and everything in general. And yet some of my favorite superhero movies like that and Days of Future Past um, involve time travel. And so um, I think Endgame does a great job. I love that some of the surviving members are all of the original Avengers yeah. in the movies. And of course you have sad sign-offs for Captain America, Iron Man, Black Widow, and... I loved it. I, th- I think that they really nailed it in Endgame. So both of those deserve a spot on my top 20 just because of how I felt watching those movies. I think what's cool about Endgame because you brought up the the fact of like you didn't want deaths to be undone because that at, it, it kind of got to a point where superhero movies and a lot of Marvel movies were kind of known for that, especially with like Loki. It's like, how many times can you kill this guy? Right, and bring him right. Back? You, want it to, you want it to feel like it has some impact. Yeah. And so... You know, even if they're going to keep on bringing back characters in some kind of multiverse or something like that, where you, you have variations of them or whatever, 
we lost some characters in that movie that I'm expecting they're going to stay dead, and I'm glad. Yeah. I think that that was a very important thing to do. And if nothing else, maybe it helps Marvel realize we can do this with some of our characters, and it's okay. Yeah. Retire them. You know, Clint Barton. <laughs> yeah. And, or, or do something else. And I, I like the the passing of the mantle, and I think it's very true to the comic books. Yeah, they, they struck a good balance in Endgame of, like, it's still, like, we want people to leave hopeful, but there does need to be consequences. There needs to be closure. And so, again, going back to making lists, I remember being like, okay, one of the big two is going to die, Cap or Iron Man. Yeah, they I felt the same both way. Both of them. And so it's like, they did a great job of, because everyone kind of knew that, like, their contracts were up. They're yeah. probably wrapping up their run, but, like, you can't kill these two heroes. So having it be like, okay, we kill one of them. That's a great closure for his arc. But then like segueing one character out while not killing him and right. giving, making it satisfying for the character and for the audience and closing it up in a bow. They did such a great job with that. No, I, t- I totally agree. And the irony is that again, like talking about how I would had had all these conversations before the movie came out, obviously the same thing was true with Endgame. And we're like, so, so who's going to bite the bullet? And- Everybody had the same conclusion that it's probably going to be Captain America who has his sacrificial death, and then Iron Man gets to retire because now he has a kid and everything. Or, or like, or at least that's what we were thinking as the movie was yeah, going because we didn't know that going family, into it. Yeah. yeah. So it's like as the movie was going, and we see, is it five years later? Is yeah. that what? Is that what? I remember, I like watching that in the theater, and at the very beginning, Dude, my they heart dropped. Yeah, mine too. It's like they kill Thanos, and then it says five years later, and I, I said out loud, I was just there in the theater, I was like. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I took a pause and I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And I loved it. I'm like, that's that's some real consequences. Yeah. I think you I know? said to the person next to me, like, I don't know what's gonna happen in this movie. Yeah, I mean, like you're, you're sitting in. you're sitting here with me. I'm getting chill bumps <laughs> talking about it because it's like that's that's having some consequences to what happened. It's not just undoing it. It's like, okay, even if they undo it, look at what it's doing. And some of it's heartbreaking. I mean, seeing like what has happened since the blip as it's come to be known, I love some of the ramifications yeah. for what happened in Infinity War. I yeah. love it. You mentioned it is a it's just nice that like we have a, a movie like that in our generation where it's yeah. like this because I remember being in the parking lot of Endgame about to walk in and like looking at the person I wrote with, I was like, this is the last time we're not going to know what happens in Endgame <laughs> ever. Like, this is insane. Because it's about to be the biggest movie of all time. So it's like, this is going to be a big deal. And we don't, this is the last time that we will not know what happens in it. Yeah. It's well, we, we, got out of, we got out of Infinity War and we went to a late showing. I don't know, like, like, 10 or midnight. I don't even know. I guess I don't yeah. do too many midnight showings anymore, but it was it was late when we got done because it's a long movie and we were discussing where to go afterwards and we're like, yeah, we're going to go somewhere and sit and talk. And we, so we went to Denny's because it's open 24 hours and we sat there at Denny's and like our table, it was like, it was just such a mixture of like, we were also excited. We were also sad and we were also, it was, it was just, it was perfect. I yeah. love it. So yeah, those movies hold a spot on my list for sure. Uh, I'm going to also continue the superhero trend with another signing off superhero movie with Logan. That definitely makes the the cut for me. And that's one that is probably even in my top 10, not just my top 20. I love Logan. And so the first X-Men movie came out in the year 2000. Um, I think, I, I, I guess I was 10 pushing 11 when that movie came out. And I I love X-Men in general. Uh, one of my favorite cartoon, in fact, my favorite cartoon show, I'll, I'll plug that on here as well. My favorite cartoon show of all time is X-Men Evolution. I love that show. So that was, you know, it came out 
a little bit after the first X-Men movie, and I just loved the way those characters were done. They take more of a like high school approach to the mutants, except for uh, Professor X is still an adult, and so is Wolverine, and so is Storm, and the rest of them are kind of like high school age. I loved the dynamics on that show and how well it's done. And the movies, look, the the X-Men movies are all over the place, right? There's yeah. good, there's bad, there's ugly. You know, it's all, it, it, you get some of everything, but... I cannot deny Hugh Jackman. He is he is so good. I'm obsessed with him. Um, and Logan was such a beautiful movie that it feels weird even calling it a superhero movie in a way. It feels loosely connected to the other X-Men movies, but feel, feels very good as a solo film, very good as a, a send-off to a character and a role that he has played for 17 years. I mean, Hugh Jackman was not a a household name until the first X-Men movie. And it's, it's kind of crazy because an actor who now, most people don't know the name Doug Ray Scott, but Doug yeah, Ray— I had no clue who that yeah, is. so Doug Ray Scott was supposed to play Wolverine in the original X-Men movie. Oh, snap, that's right. And he—I um, like Doug Ray Scott. He was— uh, he was the prince in Ever After with Drew Barrymore, which that deserves an honorable mention on my <laughs> list too. Love it. But uh, he was supposed to play Wolverine, but he was tied up filming Mission Impossible 2. That's unfortunate. I know, right? And so instead, uh, Russell Crowe uh, suggests an Australian— Oh, you should uh, check out my yeah. mic. He suggests an Australian friend of his— uh, Hugh Jackman, and lo and behold, the rest is history. 17 years, and I think, was it nine outings as, as Wolverine? I mean, he had three Wolverine movies, and the first three X-Men, X-Men movies. Then he, even though two of them are more cameo-esque, he was in all three of the the yeah, Days of was. Future Past movies. We don't talk about Dark Phoenix, but... Uh, <laughs> he wasn't in that. He wasn't in it, so it's like his, his name's not tainted. <laughs> it's it's kind of crazy that he got to his 17-year mark, his ninth movie... And he gave the best performance of the entire. Yeah, run. Like he was no, so I, I, th- I think, I think that says a lot about him, and also I think it does say a lot about the director. I think James Mangold. Uh, I think he did a great job with the movie. Um, again, that that's he directed Three Ten to Yuma, which I think, that could easily be in my top it's twenty. Really you know, good, ask yeah. ask me on a different day of the week, and that that makes my top twenty. Yeah. So Three Ten to Yuma with uh, Russell Crowe. Ironically, yeah. who suggested Hugh Jackman and uh, Christian Bale? I love that movie. Um, next up on the list is one that holds more of a nostalgia place on my list. That's right. Here it is. Uh, I'm a dishonest man, <laughs> and uh, a dishonest man you can always count on to be dishonest. <laughs> Honestly, it's the honest ones you want to look out for. I loved pirates of the caribbean especially that first one curse of the black pearl when that movie came out what was it oh three i believe Mm -hmm. um that movie made me feel totally different about movies again it was like i already was like a movie buff kid and when i saw that movie for the first time i just i fell in love with it it had everything that you know i guess that young boy wanted it was that adventure that comedy that semi-romance. It's like, it just had, it had a lot of things going for it. And Barbosa was such a fun villain. Oh yeah. Barbosa yeah. is fantastic. And, uh, I was already, um, I was already like on Orlando Bloom's radar because of Lord of the Rings. And, um, that made, um, I mean, Kira Knightley 
was was somebody who just really shot to the top of my list. And it's like, I want to see other movies with her in it. And Jack Sparrow, I mean, that's an undeniably fun character. And it's almost like they made pirates cool again. Yeah. And that movie has, has had many, many sequels since then. And Pirates were never not cool. Okay. Well, it, you know, it, it re-sparked it re, uh, what was already there, right? Pirates are in this year. <laughs> But yeah, Pirates of the Caribbean will always hold a special place in my heart. It's such a, f- just like the classic sense of adventure movie. Yeah. Just like I declined to acquiesce to your request. Yeah. Oh, there's, it's perfectly cheesy in a lot of ways too. It's one I actually rewatched uh, last year and, you know, does it hold up in every single area? Maybe not, but it's still a whole lot of fun. Yeah, if you start thinking about the the last time I watched it, I do remember thinking like, if you think too hard about the mechanics of the undead army and like what constitutes them <laughs> dying and not dying, it doesn't make any sense. Right. But like, it's so much fun. Yeah. Oh, it's 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 a blast. I love that so movie. that's that's definitely up there for me. Um, the next one, uh, most of my friends would say that this is one of the more artsy, actual like cinematic movies on my list. Because um, I have a lot of friends, <laughs> my wife included, who is she's not particularly fond of this movie. But I, I'm not a big fan of it. Really? Yeah, I'm I interested love, to hear your thoughts. I love Lost in Translation. It's another movie that, like Pirates of the Caribbean, came out in 2003. It's done by uh, Sofia Coppola, and there's nothing about that. Movie. What's so funny is it's, it's very simple. It's a movie that is, I guess, kind of dialogue heavy, and a lot of people would consider it slow, consider it artsy. I just feel totally transported watching that movie, and it's a fish-out-of-water kind of story where you have two Americans in Japan who just feel so disoriented in their life and where they're at right now, and they themselves are in different walks of life. And you have Bill Murray and you have Scarlett Johansson and both of them just blow me away in that movie. I think it, there's nothing about it that is not beautiful. And that's a movie that, again, although my movies are, are not ranked completely in, in an actual order, Lost in Translation easily gets a top 10 for me. Um, and despite people thinking maybe it's slow or something like that, I would rewatch that movie again and again and again. And, and I have seen it multiple times, and I enjoy it just as much every single time. What was funny was the first time that I was re-watching that movie, I was a little nervous. <laughs> I was watching it with my brother-in-law, and both of us had watched it separately from each other, and both of us loved the movie. And we were it had been a few years since we had seen it, and both of us were nervous. We were like, are we not going to enjoy it, mm. watching it again? And we watched it again, and we loved it. I liked it even more the second time. And then I showed it to a group of people, and like half of them hated it, and <laughs> half of them really liked it. So I'm like, it's a polarizing movie, I suppose. But Michael, have you um, seen it? I have not. Okay, no. but I, I've had that experience where you share things with your friends. And it does not go well. <laughs> what? I do hate Tell it when you're it, like, I hate it when you're showing somebody a movie that you love, and you're like gauging whether they like it. Yeah. And you start critiquing every little thing about the movie. To sure. The where you're like, do I even like this movie? Yeah. That that's a hard that's a hard one to swallow. So even though I have watched this movie with a group of people and had to sit through that. I still love the movie. Yeah, so a good <laughs> it held up, you know, even if it didn't hold up with everybody else's uh, opinion at yeah. all times. Yeah. Um, you just know where you stand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look, you, you, I'm, I'm unshakable with Lost in Translation. So, 
next on my list, I have Shawshank Redemption, which Absolutely. most people know about that one. That's a that's a huge fan favorite movie. It's like I feel almost like it shouldn't even be on my top twenty because it's, like it's a like given. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's one of those movies where it's like people like. They're like, oh, Braveheart, oh, Gladiator. It's like, I mean, they're great movies, but it's like, it's it, it's hard sometimes for me to be like, should that be in in your top twenty list or something like that? But Shawshank is a movie that I just think gets it right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a it's a fan favorite for a reason. It's kind of it was kind of interesting to me that it was a movie that didn't do super well in the theaters, and then like when it was released on, I guess it was VHS back in the day because it was it wasn't uh, on DVD back in '94 or whenever it came out, and it did really well, like once they released it on video, yeah. and then it became like it was. You couldn't even call it a cult following. It was like it was a it was a very popular movie, and so. But Shawshank is a movie that holds up very well over time as well, and powerful, mm. yeah. wonderful movie. It's been a few years since my last watch, and I, I definitely need to give it a rewatch. You watched it recently, Michael, for the first time, and you yeah. liked it, right? Well, so twenty twenty one, had a, a goal to reach to watch three hundred sixty five movies, yeah, and. Uh, I, I put out a, a poll on Twitter to figure out what my last movie to when I reached oh the goal my goodness. was going to be. And, and Shawshank won the poll. Um, it As was, it should have. Because I don't remember the other options, but it was like The Godfather and some yeah, other stuff. Yeah, they were all like movies that, that were on my watch list yeah. that I've just heard over and over again over the years. That's it's a lot like of pressure. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Yeah. So I, ha- I do have to ask you, like having that pressure, how did you feel about the movie as a whole? It was fantastic. Okay. So... The I think the thing that impressed me, uh, I've only seen it the once, um, was that like half, maybe maybe more than halfway through, the it's like you're following Red and then you're following uh, what's the Andy Dufresne. Yeah, Andy Dufresne. Mm-hmm. Those are the two characters that you care about. Yeah, and then uh, Ooh, you spend like ten minutes yeah, with, with Brooks yeah. and uh, just see what happens to to a man who gets out and. Right. That's like, so sad. It's man. such an important moment. It is. And they yeah. they handled it so well because it wasn't it wasn't like they used his death uh cheaply. Mm-hmm. Uh they used it in a way that was very like is just human. Yeah. And, and and absolutely uh just an incredible, incredible story. I'm glad I'm glad because we haven't uh, you know, I, I hang out with you and talk to you about movies quite a bit. And we haven't had the conversation about Shawshank, so I'm glad that this uh, has allowed us to have that conversation. Um, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, it's a wonderful movie. I'm so, I, I I'm, don't know anybody who doesn't like it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's just like, and it's not that it's like a universal crowd pleaser because there's some tough stuff to watch. In oh, there, for it's sure. Like, yeah, it's 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 a hardcore movie. It's, but it, everyone yeah. loves it. Yeah, it's so great. Well, I think that's one of those things where it's like, yeah, it's like as long as you, you kind of know going into it or pretty quickly that it's going to be a little bit of a tough watch. And if you can, if you can get get through it, you know, if you can stomach it, yeah, <laughs> it's also so it has, satisfying. Yeah, it has a great, great payoff, and you know, even the time frame and the pacing of the movie just feels so good. Yeah, uh, you know, I guess I, I guess I'll leave this one as one that I won't completely spoil for people, but I'll say it like this: I thought I knew what was going to happen in the movie. And then the movie made me forget that what happens in the movie was going to happen in the movie. I think the, the same movie. thing happened to me because it was such a famous thing. Yeah. It's like everyone kind of knows. So yeah. it's like, I think and, I, and I loved it. And it and it totally it totally made me think differently about the movie. And, I, and so, yeah, that was a very fun watch for me. And I've seen it multiple times, of course. Um, up next, you know, earlier I gave some honorable mentions as far as some comedies and so forth. I have to throw back that as, as a, a kid who, you know, 
primarily my childhood was was 90s. I was born in 89 and I was alive for six months in, in 89, so that barely counts. But uh, I was a 90s kid, right? And I grew up really, really liking Jim Carrey. I mean, I, Jim Carrey was that PG-13 kind of uh, comedian that in a lot of his movies, I just gravitated towards whatever. I mean, Liar, Liar. Ace was, Ventura. Ace Ventura. I mean, the pretty, mask. Yeah, the, the Mask and Dumb and Dumber. It's like all of the, Dumb and Dumber is- Bruce Almighty. Yeah, Bruce Almighty. Well, and it, like Fun with 2000s. Dick and Jane. Yeah, but early 2000s. But all of those movies, I really, really, really enjoyed. And so seeing Jim Carrey give uh, a more dramatic performance in a movie called Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind- Fantastic. Mind-blowing, probably. It was. It was mind-blowing. And um, I don't know. There's something about that movie, too, that is that is artsy and, and poetic, but it's a beautiful love story? Question yes. mark? Yes. Yeah? Yes. Yeah. Have you but, seen it, Michael? I have. It's a love story. Yeah. It's, I just, I, it was one where it's like, it keeps you, it keeps you confused throughout a lot of the movie in a good way. And so I feel I'm, like- I'm it, curious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, how how do you interpret the end? Meaning, do we spoil? Okay, well, so, <laughs> if you have not seen this movie and want to, then skip the next couple of minutes. Yeah, I don't skip know. like but, thirty seconds. So this whole the whole movie, yeah, uh, it, it, you've got these two characters, and they're just going out of their way to to try and erase yeah. the other person from their life, right? Because of all the pain that they caused, and then at the end they have this conversation and they're just like, well, I guess we should stay together. It's like, okay, so is that a tragedy or is that? That's the beauty of the movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's exactly what's fun. Sometimes movies, I don't like it when movies try and have a clever, artsy, ambiguous ending. And yet I like it sometimes when I feel like it's done in a, in a good way. Who cares? We don't have to sit through another two hours of movie to see if, if things pan out well yeah. or, or don't. I love it. It's like, you know, clearly these people who have tried to erase each other from their memory or whatever, it's like they are still drawn to each other. They're still meant to be with each other. There is something that keeps on pulling them back together, and that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Yeah, it- it's called codependency. <laughs> There's also a sudden Elijah Wood in there, which I had no clue when I pressed play that I was going to see a, a pretty sure shaved head Elijah Wood, and it took me completely <laughs> off guard. Well, it's not it's not as scary as uh, what's what's the one he does where uh, he's he's really scary in one movie. I'm I'm, 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 bl- I'm blanking. Uh, Sin City. Yes, yeah, Sin City. Oh it, gosh, he's so terrifying in Sin isn't City. Isn't he yellow? He's just, Somebody's yellow. He, he's he's just scary in that movie. So after that, I can handle him in anything. <laughs> you know. Uh, up next on my list is uh, a beloved Christmas oh, classic. Yeah. And this one, again, this one is easily in the top 10, not the top 20. I love It's a Wonderful Life. So I know that that, that seems kind of cheesy to have it on, on your top 20 or top right 10 list of, of, of You're all time. You're good company. Yeah. yeah. Well, really, really enjoy that movie. I'm a big fan of Jimmy Stewart. Of course, who is is the lead in the movie, and the the director of it is Frank Capra, and you're going to hear Frank Capra's name in a moment too, because he also directs uh, the next movie on my list. But It's a Wonderful Life is a story that now we hear we hear a version of that story told time and time again now, where it's like, what would what would life be like without this person, and how much does one person impact the rest of the world, and 
that's it's such an emotional movie and just beautiful in every way. It's my mom's favorite movie, and sometimes your parents' influence on a movie might help you. Sometimes it might hurt you. This is one where I, maybe it helped morph me in the right direction, but I am not ashamed to admit that that's one of my favorite movies yeah, of all time. It's one of my favorites too. It, Remember, it, no man is a failure who has friends. That's right. And uh, recently, I'll say, not converted isn't the right word, yeah. but we. Me and I guess Mary talked about It's a Wonderful Life enough that it made Michael rewatch It's a Wonderful Life. Good, good. That's it. right. He needs to convert. Yeah, convert to It's a Wonderful Lifeism. Well, so the well, what well, Sam I, is referring to is that I, I had uh, I had from memory just plucked out three and a half stars <laughs> for It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, and it's because I hadn't seen it since high school. Yeah, and so. I wasn't like super confident in that rating. Yeah. I wasn't gonna defend it. Well, that's so that, when I rewatched yeah. it. I, I was like, okay, and you that's and you right. saw it with yeah. you saw it with uh, your adult eyes, and you're like, wow, this is wonderful. It, it Did is, you cry? It at is the quite end? wonderful. Uh, yeah, I cried a lot. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah, that's really funny because uh, Mary, Mary, and Elizabeth and I pushed real hard for Eric to actually kind of do the same thing. I think he cry. had seen bits and pieces. Eric's not much of a crier, uh, you know. Does Eric have any emotions? I mean, if if you tell him that you, you made him eat a dish with a strawberry, he might cry. But you know, aside from that, he, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Eric's Eric's a great guy, and and he he did he loved It's a Wonderful Life too. So there's I'll, It's a Wonderful Life too. Yeah, it's a oh, Wonderful. Awesome. Life. It's the sequel. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, <laughs> welcome to Potterville. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> I mean, he still gets the money at the end, right? Yeah. Um, Frank Capra still? It's, yeah, it's so Frank it. Frank Capra, who directed that, he did a lot of movies back in the day. And another one that he did that came out even before It's a Wonderful Life was called It Happened One Night. And so I, I, I've said that, uh, you know, I've been a movie buff for a long time. There's two defining moments in my life, I feel like, that changed me from being a casual moviegoer and just somebody who would just sit down and watch a movie to somebody who is actually a movie buff. And one of those things is being eight years old, eight years old, eight years old, verifying with myself, fact-checking, hold on, 98, yeah, I, th I think I was eight years old the first time that I rode the great movie ride at Disney World. It was at MGM Studios, which is now called Hollywood Studios, and rest in peace, that ride closed just a few years ago. I actually was there at Disney on the last day that it was ever oh, opened wow. with with my with my sisters, and we got to ride it. And I love the great movie ride. And it, I know why they retired that ride, because it's slow, but it takes you through the history of a bunch of movies, and you're seeing everything from, you know, Indiana Jones, and you're seeing Alien, you're seeing John Wayne, you're seeing you know, gangster movies with James Cagney and Singing in the Rain. I'm sitting here and and just being an eight-year-old boy looking at all these different scenes that totally intrigued me. I would not go on to watch Alien for another, you know, probably 10 years or close to that. I don't know how old I was when I saw Alien, but at least older teen years. And I loved it, but I had been teased as a, as a young boy seeing the scary scenes of this alien creature on a ship. And here's this woman with a gun and her back up against the wall. And she's like, it looks like she's alone on the ship. I was totally enthralled. So, so okay, sidetracked, right? <laughs> Anywho, the great movie ride is one of those. The other thing is it happened one night. 
It Happened One Night is a movie that was done by Frank Capra, you know, good bit before uh, It's a Wonderful Life. And this movie, um, I actually went to a showing of it. I'm trying to remember where it was, maybe at the Mississippi Museum of Art or something like that. And that they, sounds like something they, they would yeah, do. Yeah, so they had like a special showing of it, and they had like old-timey popcorn bags, and they had like glass Coke and Sprite bottles. And I went with my older brother, my mom, and a good friend of my mom's, and it was just the four of us. And I was pretty young seeing it. I don't know, maybe 10 years old, 12, somewhere in there. And when I watched that movie, which I wasn't interested in, by the way, it came out in 1934. I was like, I don't want to watch this movie. I was totally captivated. It's it's a movie that is so much fun right from the get-go. And it has Clark Gable, who is, is very famous for Gone with the Wind. And he is wonderful in the movie. In fact, it's one of one of the few movies, I'm, I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, there may be two or so other movies that have actually won the five big categories at the Academy Awards. Best movie, best director, best actor, best actress, and best cinematography. This is one of the few movies that's ever done that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is another, and I can't remember, maybe Silence of the Lambs. There have only been a couple of movies that have ever done that, but It's a Wonderful Life from 1934. You haven't seen it. Michael, I know you haven't seen it. Go watch it. It's uh, wonderful. Michael, yeah, you, Michael, you go watch it. It's on my watch list. <laughs> well, I'm glad because I, I would I would tease you that you haven't seen anything that's like older than we are. It's like it, it, if, if it came I out. I have like, noticed that you've seen an awful lot of movies, but not many pre like. Yeah, because it's like it's like uh, any any classic movies. It's like, have you seen any old movies? It's like, yeah, I've seen Star Wars. I'm like, oh, you got to go further I, I back do have than to that. Push myself to watch those. Yeah. more just because I know that it, there's more of a leap that it's going to be less impressive technically, and that's sure technical aspects really like impressed me. In movies. Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's one of the things that I that I try and separate sometimes too because again I could go on on and on with honorable mentions but movies like Hitchcock movies mm-hmm. Vertigo Psycho you're doing yourself a disservice if yeah. you don't watch movies like that they're so well, good it's just just because movies old doesn't mean that it's not oh I mean, it's new to you yeah you've never seen it before absolutely and if you just give yourself a little bit like you know, give it the benefit of the doubt that it's like this movie came out before other stuff where the effects maybe weren't as great, but it's like sometimes they hold up super, super well despite that. And It's a Wonder, or It Happened One Night is definitely one of those movies that does that. There there are people I know that are my age or a little bit older that if a movie came out pre like 2010, yeah. they're like, that's an old movie. I'm yeah. not watching that. I'm like, I, yeah, look, I, I, I get it. I get it. I, I challenge myself sometimes so, to watch some of the old classics and everything too. That's why I was curious about you with mm. Shawshank. Because I watched um, Citizen Kane for the first time a few years ago. And I've that's always at the very top of like yeah. movie lists of all time, like one of the greatest. And I found it so hard. It was yeah. like I, I wanted it's to like it. It's not one of the best. I wanted to like it, and I just didn't. And yeah, I'm going to give it a few years, and then I'm going to watch it again. Because yeah. I've, I've changed my mind. Not very often, but there have been a couple. Uh, American Beauty and... Uh, Into the Wild are two that I hated the first time I saw them. And when I rewatched them, I really, really liked them. So moving on, (laughs) we're going to go to Empire Strikes Back. And Empire Strikes Back, again, that one holds nostalgia effect for me, but it also just, I'm a big Star Wars kid. I always have been. And Empire is one that Star Wars fans typically agree on as being the best Star Wars movie. Well, I guess Star Wars fans are right. It is yeah, it's easy. hard to disagree. It's, it's, it's easily the best one. Um, second favorite is 
the original Star Wars and you hope. But uh, yeah, Empire Strikes Back is is the best. Um, it's dark. I love the ending. I love Harrison Ford and he's, you know, prime in that movie. He's so much fun. Empire Strikes Back has it all. Up next, I'm going to go to another one, which is Lord of the Rings, The go. Fellowship of the Ring. And just like with Star Wars, it's like you can kind of lump that into more Lord of the Rings movies, but I'm not counting Lord of the Rings as a whole here. I'm I'm specifically naming my favorite, really? which is the unpopular opinion. Most people like one of the other two better than this one, but Fellowship is easily my favorite of the Lord of the Rings movies. I love the characters all being together. Um, I find the movie itself so satisfying. It, it feels like a slow burn of a movie kind of where we get, here's innocent Shire, you know, with the hobbits and everything. And here's Gandalf showing off the fireworks. And it's, it's, it's slow, you know, and it gets a little bit darker. It's like, here's one ring wraith chasing him down. All of a sudden, here's a bunch of ring wraiths chasing him. And it's like, by the end of the movie, it's like, here's orcs and orcai running through the woods. And it, I love the setting. And Gandalf died. <laughs> Fly, you fools. Yeah. I love it. There's, there's nothing about the first Lord of the Rings that doesn't, summarize the rest of it in beautiful ways as well. But to me, it's the end of the movie that really, really nails it. I love the woods and outdoors in general. And that setting is terrifying and being chased all over the place. Boromir's death. Um, even this, my favorite scene in the entire movie is easy for me too, which is when, Boromir has just tried to take the ring by force from Frodo. And then all of a sudden uh, he's put on the ring, he's turned in invisible. And then uh, he runs into Aragorn and Aragorn almost gets mad at him at first. And, and the ring's calling to Aragorn and almost taunting him. And Frodo says, you know, I'll give it to you if you want it. Cause he trusts him at yeah. this point. And he's just like, and again, you can't, this is a podcast. I'm getting <laughs> chill bumps. Cause I get chill bumps every single time I talk about this scene. When Aragorn closes up his hand and he says that he says, I would have gone with you to the to the end, to the very fires of Mount Doom. Yeah. I, I can't. That's Lord of the Rings. I, I'm I'm here with just chill bumps just as big as I can be, just talking about it. Yeah. I love the fellowship and I think it deserves the number one spot in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I grew up I, I've talked about it a lot on the podcast, so I'll just mention briefly, but I Grew up always thinking Return and saying Return of the King is my favorite. Yeah, I bounce back and forth every year as to which one's my favorite, <laughs> right. depending on. Did I just what convince I you? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, the person who convinced me for a while, I said Fellowship was my favorite, and again, any day I'll say Fellowship my favorite. But, Good. Um, the person who got me to think about it differently was Elijah Wood. Oh yeah. And there was an interview where someone asked him, "What's your favorite?" Yeah. And he said Fellowship, and listed listed off all these reasons: uh -huh. the great pacing. Yeah. The tone is perfect. Everyone's Definitely. together. Like it's it's there's nothing wrong with calling that your favorite. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm happy that we share that opinion because it's it's the minority. It's not the empire. Yeah. You know. It's dangerous business <laughs> going out your front door. That's right. He doesn't say front. <laughs> Get wrecked. What's your number two? All right. So number two on here is prisoners. And you've already heard me, you know, fanboy over Hugh Jackman. And this, I think, is Hugh Jackman at his best. It's hard for me to say yeah. that because I love him in Logan, but I I can't get over how good he is in Prisoners. And one of the things that this movie does is that it pits Hugh Jackman's character against Jake Gyllenhaal's character. And they're both working towards the exact same cause. Mm -hmm. 
And they're getting in each other's way and driving each other crazy and butting heads. And both of them are trying to do whatever they can to find Hugh Jackman's missing daughter in the movie. And Hugh Jackman is going more unconventional, whereas Jake Gyllenhaal being, you know, the detective has to go more by the books. And I think it's fantastic. I actually, you know, a a moment ago I said that I don't change my mind on movies too often. I also don't change my mind on actors too often. And Jake Gyllenhaal was not on my radar. He was somebody I thought was kind of annoying. I watched him in Prisoners, and I tell you, I want to watch every single. It may Jake. be his best performance. Yeah, He's so good. I think he is amazing in that movie, and and I've I've sought out his movie since then, and now I'm a Jake Gyllenhaal fan. Yeah, he made me a fan in that movie, and Hugh Jackman. It's like just he, I don't know. There's scenes where it's like he he has the hammer in his hand, he's smashing <laughs> the the sink, and he's like, "Where's my daughter?" Sorry, yeah. I just killed Joel's <laughs> ears. It, it's just so raw, and he, he does it again when he's in the car with Jake Gyllenhaal. He's like, "That's my daughter. She's she's not wondering where you are. She's wondering where I am. Me, not you. Me." And yeah. it's like it's just so raw. It's like that Wolverine's coming out in him. I, I can't tell you that movie's scary. Yeah, and it's dark. It's haunting. There's there's that's a movie that again that one lost in translation. It, it happened one night. Those are probably top five mm-hmm. for me. I mean, Prisoners is a movie that I have rewatched with many, many friends, and I'm sure I will rewatch it with many, many more. I, I rewatched Prisoners probably two weeks ago with my parents, and my mom was almost covering her eyes, especially yeah. during the bathroom scene with oh, the yeah. hammer. Because she, she had seen it before, and I think she was so freaked out that he was going to smash Paul Dano's face. I, yeah, it's intense. It's like I've yeah. seen the movie. I've I've watched that movie probably ten times. Man, the stuff with the shower too is just yeah. Oh, brutal. it's hard. It's hard to watch, but it's so good. Yeah. I mean, the movie itself and Paul Dano. Oh my gosh, here yeah. I am talking about Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal. Paul Dano is fantastic in that movie. Also, something interesting when he's walking down the street right before Hugh Jackman spoiler yeah. kid, kidnaps him. He's singing. Uh, yeah. Jing- Batman, yeah, Jingle, Jingle Bells, Bells, Batman, Batman smells, smells, Robin Egg, and then yeah. he says something about Riddler, and it's like, it's funny, because he's going to be the Riddler. Yeah, but. that is that is very funny. And also, fun fact, uh, Jingle Bells, Batman smells is always the correct answer if I ask you for the password on anything. You know, that comes from Jingle all the way. Oh. Sorry. Just I'm a fun sorry. fact. I haven't seen it. I wish yeah. I could have left. Oh, it's that. terrible. It's I mean, <laughs> I can quote that movie, you know, relentlessly, but it's, 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 it's a great, terrible movie. Yeah. So watch it next Christmas. Okay. Uh-oh, and, it looks like we're getting into number one. Oh, okay, here we are. All right, I told you I wasn't done with Disney. I can't help it. Maybe maybe you got it from, from Wolverine already and so forth. I like this this grizzled, you know, character who who has a heart but is fierce like an animal. Beauty and the Beast. Why don't you tell the listeners, uh, the audio listeners, what shirt you're wearing? I'm actually wearing a Beauty and the Beast shirt. It is. It has the Beast on it. Uh, wore it because I knew what I was going to be doing tonight, <laughs> and I, I I love it. I'm a huge fan of Beauty and the Beast. That's one that holds a nostalgia place in my heart, but I'm not ashamed to admit that that, that probably does hold the number one spot for me on, on my movies as well. Um, it's actually the first movie that I remember, that I have any memory of watching. Yeah. It came out in 91, and so I don't know that I saw it that same year it came out or not, but I was very, very young. I was like on my dad's shoulders watching the movie. I think they had a showing at like an outdoor park, wow. like on a theater screen. And I was on his shoulders watching the movie. And I remembered, I mean, it just made a huge impression on me, obviously, because it's the first one that stuck with me. I mentioned earlier with Pocahontas, first crush, so forth. Well, 
if that's a security question, uh, probably shouldn't say that. Anyway, <laughs> my first crush ever was Belle from from Beauty and the Beast. And despite the fact that she's an animated character, I'd like to think that I had pretty good taste. Um, I mean, was it because she read books? I just, I, she, I, I loved that character. I still do. I think she's a very well done character as a whole. It's like, I, I hate absolutely, if I was doing a top 20 worst movies of all time, my worst movie that I watched uh, last year, because I, I watched a bunch of movies also, the worst one I watched last year was the live action Mulan. Oh, yeah, and I that was terrible. <laughs> it was horrible. And it's like, I love the, the animated Mulan and that came out in 98 could easily be on my top 20. And one of the things that they do in that movie is they just basically give her superpowers and she's like, she arrows are being shot at her. She's, she's kicking them back into the, it's like, what? And her father's like, no, don't let them know that you have the power of the chi, which is basically the force. It was terrible. Um, and unlike the, the animated movie and unlike Bill, you're not seeing the real, like, the girl power. You're not seeing her stick up for herself and endure. And in Mulan, she certainly does that. And in Beauty and the Beast, it's like Belle is, is uh, you know, she's a, a great character, you know. She stands up for herself. Uh, she's, she doesn't get pushed around, even though the Beast starts off as semi-abusive in the way that he's acting towards her and everything. It's like he's, he's the master of the castle and he's, he's screaming and he's knocking things over and, you know, she she trespasses into the West Wing and he's throwing a fit. And it's like she actually stands her ground against him and, you know, <laughs> lets him have it a little bit, telling him, you know, stop, stop being such an idiot. And I watched that movie. That's a movie that I try to watch every single year, no matter how many wa- movies I'm watching. I typically watch it on my birthday. Uh, I stay up late and I just I watch it, and I I love it. I'm not ashamed to say that towards the end of the movie, even though I know it's going to be a happy ending, when when Beast is laying there dying and he's just you know telling Bell, you know, acting surprised, saying you came back, and at least I got to see you one last time. I was like, I tear up. I love that movie. I really do. So that's another one that deserves a rewatch because I, I, I remember watching it a lot as a kid, but it has been yeah forever. It's I, I think it's just fantastic, and the voice cast is great. Gaston is a great villain. It's I, I love it so much. Yeah. Well, it's one of those ones that I was actually surprised that I got to watch growing up. Yeah, because it opens with a witch casting a curse. <laughs> Sorceress. <laughs> well, magic isn't real. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Well. It's in my heart. Yeah. It's in. It's in the movies. It's in the music, <laughs> guys. Ben, that was a great list. Well, thank, thank you, you for sharing with that. Oh, um, my pleasure. I think that that just about wraps wraps it up. I, I'm excited that we're we're getting to fire through all these top twenties because this is fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Signing off. Goodbye. Peace. Love you.